us, and what incredible love that is. You have your Bibles turned to Romans chapter 3, if you would, please. Romans chapter 3. Always count a privilege and honor to speak and preach. In fact, I was looking over uh, some of my notes, and I preached this exact, this exact Sunday, uh, three years ago, Palm Sunday. Um, I actually preached on what Palm Sunday was. I'm not necessarily going to do that today, but we looked at um, I was going to at first ask if anybody remember what I preached on. I was going to give you a million bucks, but I figured you probably didn't know, and I didn't have a million bucks, so uh, we'd be okay. But, um, but I encourage you this week to take time to read through uh, Christ's final week before his, his death and burial and resurrection. Uh, Palm Sunday, what a great uh, thing as Christ enters Jerusalem, and they're chanting and shouting Hosanna, what all that means. Uh, we're going to fast forward and look at what Christ did for us on Friday and the different details of that. As pastor's been going the last three weeks over the gospel and presenting the gospel, I thought I would uh, follow suit with that. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Maybe a familiar passage. I know one verse in here, uh, at least for sure, is familiar. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, uh, you've heard one of these verses. But what I'd like us to do is kind of just take a step back, maybe kind of check out from the things of this world uh, the pressures, what our mind's racing to, what we got going on later today, the rest of the week, and uh, just kind of take a, a, a fresh look, a new look at uh, this truth. The title of the message is The Glory of the Gospel, and kind of the subtitle is The Righteousness of God Through Faith. And if you've been in church any length of time, you will have heard some of these terms and, and this truth, at least I would hope so, uh, but I, I want to kind of bring it back full circle to us so we can just stand in awe of what God has done. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior today, this is the best message, not necessarily my message, but the message of Scripture that can change your life. If you are a believer, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, this message has changed your life and can be the biggest message, the biggest proclamation of your life to the world and um, can change you in that. We're going to start reading verse 21, then we'll have a word of prayer and and uh, jump into the passage. The Bible says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has sent for to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, unto this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you'll just use me today. Lord, may this not be my words, but your words from the word of God. Lord, may we... Uh, just open up our hearts to the truth of Scripture, what an incredible truth and in this passage of what you have done for us, what you can do for us, what you've done for some of us, Lord, and how you can use us to proclaim this message. Lord, I pray uh, that we will leave changed, Lord, that your word will go forth with power, Lord, and that the Holy Spirit will work, and we'll give honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name, amen. Well, suppose somebody came running in here with, with a parachute and told you you need to put it on. All right, first we probably all look and say, okay, why? Um, I'm not falling. I'm sitting here. Everything's good. I don't really need a parachute. We kind of maybe even ignore him or say, we need to check this guy out. Okay, he's got some issues. Well, let's 
change scenarios. You're on a plane, and it's going down. And all of a sudden, this guy comes running for a parachute, or running around with a parachute, and you're like, okay, I'll take that. All right, thank you. You know, put it on, and we're good to go. Okay, why? Well, there's a chance that the plane might go down, and we might need the parachute. Well, the truth of today in the, in the gospel is God is holding out a parachute to us. It's the gospel. But until we see our need for it and become convinced that our plight is desperate, we'll never joyously grab hold of what is being offered. Uh, if we had time, we could go back and read verses 9 through 20, but a big jump happens from verse 20 to 21. Verses 9 through 20 pretty much says, there's none righteous. No one is right with God. No one does what is right. And it gives a list of different things. We do this, we do this, and it's all against God. And verse 20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. Meaning there's no way anyone can earn their salvation, work for their salvation. And the reason for the law, it says there, by this law is the knowledge of sin. So my proposition for us this morning is your life can change, not based on what you can do, but what God has already done. The incredible truth from this passage is God does what we cannot do. In this passage, we see who we are, who God is, and what God has done for us. And the question that, that comes to mind, maybe, or should come to mind, is how can a person be righteous before God? Well, I'll give you kind of what our concluding thought is going to be at the beginning, and then we'll go through it. For the unbeliever, if you're here today, you know, do not know Jesus Christ is your Savior. The challenge to you is to receive the righteousness of God by faith and understand that you can be justified, declared righteous by faith. For the believer, someone who has received this, the challenge to you is to rejoice in what God has done, to live it out, and then to ultimately proclaim it. So let's jump into the text. My first point here that we see is the righteousness of God is revealed. And the righteousness of God is revealed. Verse 21 says again, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. What a, what a great two words we have here. But now. All right, the hinge pin of humanity. These two words signify that a righteousness of God has been inaugurated in a new age. This is huge, especially in this context, because the Jews here have so long been trying to earn salvation by working out, by keeping the law. And then God is now presenting that the gospel is not only for the Jews, for the Gentiles. And what he's saying is, you know what? There's nothing you can do, no work you can do, no keeping of the law that will make you justified. And then he says, but now. What an incredible thing that he is now bringing into, bringing light of the righteousness of God. After having shown the entire failure of all attempts to be justified by the law, whoever you are, as I said, verses 9 through 20, Paul proceeds to state the plan of justification by Jesus Christ in the gospel. The righteousness of God has been re uh, revealed apart from the law, separate from the law, although the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, bears witness to it. Well, then what is this righteousness of God? Well, one person put it this way, the righteousness of God is neither an attribute of God in this context nor the changed character of the believer, but Christ himself. That is key. Remember that. The righteousness of God is Christ himself, who fully met our stead in behalf, uh, behalf every demand of the law, and who is, by the act of God, called imputation, I mean, his righteousness given to us. 
and was made unto us righteousness. The believer in Christ is now by grace complete and blessed in this righteousness. This is what is called the righteousness of God by faith. And this is God's plan. God's plan is to justify men. God's righteousness, God's plan is imputed to believers because of Christ's sacrifice. Once again, we see here, God did something we cannot do. I kind of liken this to, or this, this revelation, uh, or this revealing, uh, to a, a gender reveal party. Maybe you've seen some of those go on youth group. We just did one for the Carters. And it's kind of a secret to some, all right, Carters knew and a couple others. So some kind of know what the gender is, and others, most of us, don't. And so that's this anticipation. All of a sudden, the balloons pop out, or, uh, you know, there's kind of cra- A friend of mine, they actually made a little bomb. They live in Montana, so they can do this. Um, and he shot it, and boom, and pink, you know, powder went everywhere. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I could do that in my neighborhood, but then the SWAT team would probably come again. Um, and, uh, you know, a big reveal. It's like, okay, what wasn't known, and now is known to all. A few knew it, a few knew the gender, but now it's known to all. And this is what is taking place, is God is saying, now is revealed the righteousness of God. You can have it. It can be part of you. You can have Jesus Christ who can justify you by faith from your sin. So how do, how do we apply this? Well, to be able to know what God says, what He has revealed, we have to spend time in God's Word, in the Old and the New Testament. What is interesting at this time is Paul is referring back to the Old Testament. Right now, all Paul has is the Old Testament. And from the Old Testament, he is pulling out the truth that Jesus Christ justifies men, can justify men. So we need to spend time in God's Word, both the Old and the New Testament, so we can find out what He has revealed. We need to realize God wants to give us, give you and I, His righteousness, Jesus Christ. Then we have to accept it, have it be a part of our life. And then if we have accepted it, we then need to share this revelation. So not only is the righteousness of God revealed, but secondly, the righteousness of God is rendered and received. We can see that in verses 22 to 25. Verse 22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. So we see here God's plan for salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God is manifested, it's, it's shown, it's revealed through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And there is no distinction. The point is, as we see in verse 22 and 23, there is no difference than for all of sin, is we're, we're all on the same plane for all at the same level. All must be saved in the same weather, in the same way, no matter who you are. Bond or free, rich or poor, learned or ignorant, none can be saved by works. Because of our sin, we have failed to attain the praise and approval of God. So I love that verse. You know, we've heard that verse before, Romans 3.23. But in this context, it shows us, okay, starting out with the righteousness of God, it's revealed to all, but we all sinned. So here's the righteousness of God. It is for all. It is by faith. It can be freely received by God, through Christ, who justifies us, but we've all sinned. But we've all fallen short 
of the glory of God. We, we don't get quite there because of our sin. So that is where we see the righteousness of God is, I use the word rendered, is demonstrated and shown. I want to talk about three big doctrinal theological words in here. You've probably heard and probably even know what they are. But as I was going through this this week, in fact, it started with my devotions and then turned into this message, I was super convicted by just kind of picking apart these words that we kind of hear so often or can flippantly use, and yet when we dive down into them and pull them out, uh, they can change us. First, we see here as, as uh, the righteous of God is rendered by Jesus Christ, who in verse 24, he justifies us. We are justified by grace. The word justification means to declare us righteous, being treated as if righteous. That is being regarded and treated as if we have kept the law. Okay, so here's God and his righteousness through Jesus Christ has justified it. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have all sinned, but if we believe and accept this justification, then we're declared righteous. Not because who we are, but because what Christ has done. It's an incredible thought. I mean, we are so far from God in our sin, have zero desire to live for him, and yet God says, you can be called righteous because of Jesus Christ. Not because of you, but because of him. That is what Christ does for us when he justifies us. This is the essence of the gospel. We are not treated by any merit or work of our own. It is mere favor, not a right, but a gift. The righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ is upon all who believe who are all justified freely by grace. I love this word in here, freely. All right, it's in clear contrast to, to purchase or obtain by labor. And this is what the Jews in this context were struggling with. They felt they had to be good enough, or they were good enough. And yet God says it's freely given. Does not, it does cost something, but cost us nothing. We have nothing to bring to the table. It is entirely a gift, as we see uh, saw as well, by his grace, his favor, his undeserved mercy. I'll illustrate that point as we get. The second word he uses then in this righteousness of God is rendered is the word redemption or redeemed through the redemption as we see in verse 24. This word redemption occurs um, only 10 times in the New Testament and its meaning is, is incredible. It means to purchase in the market like a slave. It means to buy out of the market to never go back again. And in this specific context, it means to loose or to set free by paying a price. The idea is of a price that is paid for a prisoner of war. This is someone who is liberated from bondage. Ransom is paid, ultimately for us, the deliverance from sin, from the evil consequences of sin. That is in Christ Jesus. To illustrate this, the story is told of Tom. He carried a new boat uh, to the edge of the river. He carefully placed in the water, in the water, and slowly let out some string. How smoothly the boat sailed, he said. Tom sat in the warm sunshine, admiring the little boat that he had built. Suddenly, a strong current caught the boat. Tom tried to pull it back into shore, but the string broke. The little boat raced downstream. Tom ran along the sandy shore as fast as he could, but his little boat soon slipped out of sight. All afternoon, he searched for the boat. Finally, when it was too dark to look anymore, Tom sadly went home. A few days later, on the way to school, Tom spotted a boat just like his in the store window. When he got closer, he could see, sure enough, it was his boat. Tom hurried to the store manager, sir, that's, that's my boat in the window. I made it. Sorry, son, but someone else brought it in this morning. 
If you want it, you'll have to buy it for $1. Tom ran home and counted all his pennies, exactly $1. When he reached the store, he rushed to the counter. Here's the money for my boat. As he left the store, Tom hugged his boat and said, Now you're twice mine. First I made you, and now I bought you. Christ has redeemed us. He's redeemed those who have come to him in faith. He created us, and now he is redeeming us. He is buying us back from sin. What a great picture with this illustration, and what an incredible truth to think about. And then the other word we see here as we see the righteousness of God rendered is propitiation. Anyone use that word this week? And you're, I'm sure, teens, you were texting that a lot. I'm, I'm pretty positive. All right? Not a word we use. In fact, it's not used very often in the Scripture. In fact, it's only used twice in the Bible here and in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. The picture here is Christ as the mercy seat where God's holy demands were satisfied. Leviticus 16, 14 talks about that. The offering, the sacrifice by which reconciliation is produced between God and man occurs with this idea of propitiation. Uh, it's used to denote the lid or the cover of the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. Okay, if we had time, we'd go back and study that out. But the idea is the mercy seat. The blood was sprinkled before the mercy seat and was called making an atonement for the holy places because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel. The name was given to the cover of the ark because it was the place from which God declared himself reconciled to his people. So take that picture and see what Christ has done for us. Jesus is declared to be a propitiation, a sacrifice, an offering. Jesus was whom God sent to reconcile man. Jesus shed his own blood, the blood for atonement, and was the sacrifice for our sin. Uh, I heard one say, if I'm angry because you have offended me, but then you appease me, the problem will be removed. And that's what's happened. We have sinned. We have gone against God. And Jesus Christ says, you know what? I'll be your sacrifice. I will be your offering to reconcile the relationship between you and God. This is the essence of what God does for us before God on our behalf. So the righteousness of God is rendered. That's what it was or it is. We just talked about it's justification, it's redemption, it's propitiation. But then that righteousness of God can be received. And how can it be received? Well, verse 22 and 25 says, by faith. By faith of or, or in Jesus Christ. Faith is not the cause of salvation, but the instrument and means by which we become justified. The state of mind, the condition of the heart. God has promised those who believe in Christ will be pardoned and saved through faith or by means of faith. The offering will be pointless without faith and the sacrifice may be accepted by faith. Honestly, this is through Jesus Christ's blood, his death, like we talked about before. Faith in Christ, one person said, in the blood of Christ redeems us. Place us in Christ, gives us the gift of righteousness, Romans 5.17, thus enabling God to truthfully declare us righteous because we are in him. And this is all done to declare the purpose of showing God's ultimate righteousness and for the remissions of sin that are past, that were committed beforehand, existed before, through the patience, long-suffering, the forbearance of God. One night a house caught on fire and a young boy was forced to flee to the roof. The father stood on the ground below with outstretched arms calling to his son, Jump! I'll catch you! He knew the boy had to jump to save his life. All the boy could see, however, was flames, smoke, and blackness. 
As, he can, as can be imagined, he was afraid to leave the roof. His father kept yelling, jump, I'll catch you. But the boy protested, Daddy, I cannot see you. The boy jumped because he trusted his father. Understand these glorious truths about the gospel. Have faith in what God has done through Jesus Christ. Realize we all started on an even playing field. We all have sin and we all need a Savior. If you have been justified, you have put your faith, your trust, your belief in Jesus Christ, you've been redeemed and found remissions of sin, praise God and proclaim it. How awful would it be for you and I to be declared justified because we believed in the gospel, because someone shared it with us, but leave your neighbor, your co-worker, leave them helpless because no one told them about the glory of the gospel. Not only is the righteousness of God revealed, and it's been rendered, and it can be received by faith, but finally the righteousness of God is rationalized. It's justifiable. It's justified. Verse 26 says, To declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness. All right, now talking about the actual righteousness of God, that He might be just, and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. All this has been done to show God's righteousness at this time, this present time. God's consistency with his own law and holiness is freely justified, is freely justifying a sinner who believes in Christ. That is, one in whose behalf Christ has met every demand of the law, Romans 10.4. One said, because of Christ's death, God can remain just when declaring righteousness, or declaring righteous, the one who believes in Jesus and who is thus forgiven of his sins and made righteous in Christ. This is the substance of the gospel. If God pardoned, and this is key here, if God pardoned without payment, he would not have been just. We could not pay the payment for our sin, so a perfect sacrifice was needed. With Christ being our propitiation, our offering, our sacrifice, God was just in justifying. God is not only just, but the justifier of those who believe, have faith in Jesus. This is the wonder of the gospel. Even while pardoning and treating the ill-deserving as if they were innocent, he can retain his pure and holy character. God's treatment of the guilty does not mean he loves guilt, pollution, sin. If he did, he would not have sacrificed his son. God is justifying in spite of our sin and our wickedness if one believes, not in works of the law, but in Jesus. And once again, we see God did what we cannot do. So God is just and, just, and the justifier, because he is gracious and mercy. We will never fully comprehend this truth. I kind of think of it as, you know, it seems like at the end of every president's uh, term, you know, they get to pardon, right? And sometimes you look at it like, how in the world did that guy get pardoned? And you look like he, you know, did this, he was wrong in this, he still had, you know, the sentence left, the list list goes on, and yet they're pardoned. They're declared free. I know that fails in comparison to what Christ has done, but in a sense, that is what happens. God is just. He is the justifier, not based upon us and because we are okay, but because Jesus Christ stepped in and took our spot and took the payment and the penalty for our sin. So put your faith in Jesus and thank God for his justice. To kind of bring this full circle now and, and to kind of bring it into... Uh, into, I guess, a clear picture. Think of, 
of us or you individually have now entered a courtroom. And you're up there and, and the verdict is being given. You are found guilty. All right, and they start listing what they've done. You have done this against God. You have sinned. You have broken the law. And they list and list and they keep listing and listing. And you are guilty. You are found guilty and there's no way you can be cleared. And the javel's about to come down on you that you are guilty and are sentenced to death. By the way, God is a judge here. And we know God is good and God is gracious. And so God has here his goodness and his, and his, and his mercy and his graciousness to us. But he's also just, remember? And he has to, sin has to be paid for. There's a penalty for sin. We're guilty. So God is about to put it down and smack the gavel down that you are guilty in your sentence. But in Christ, in walks Jesus Christ. And says, hold on a second. I'll take their guilt. I'll take their place. Yeah, they're guilty. Yeah, they've, they've gone against me. They've sinned. they said wrong. You know what? I'll take the punishment. I'll take the payment for their sin. And the gavel comes down and says, not guilty. And that's what Jesus Christ does for us. We don't deserve it. I can't comprehend it. But he does it because he loves us. So the righteousness of God is revealed. Pastor's turned me into a crybaby, I guess. <laughs> the righteousness of God, he'd be proud. The righteousness of God rendered, demonstrated, and received by faith. And the righteousness of God is rationalized. Rationalize it's justifiable. So my challenge then once again is for the unbeliever. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I introduce you to someone who loves you? Someone who, no reason other than he does love us, came, as we celebrate on Friday, he died on the cross for our sins, to justify us, to declare us righteous before God, not based on anything we do, but by accepting his free gift of salvation by faith. So my challenge to you, will you receive that free gift of salvation today? Understand that you can be justified. You can be declared righteous by faith. God is offering his righteousness through Jesus Christ to be the payment for your sin. You can stand redeemed and right with God, not based upon what you can do, but based upon what Jesus Christ has done. Repent and believe the gospel. For the believer, first off, rejoice in what God has done. Rejoice. I mean, did you take any, like one second to think about this? I mean, we are so undeserving. I am. Even today. If I go back to this morning, like, okay, did I do anything well enough to deserve God? I can even look back and say, well, I messed up in that area. So rejoice that God did this for you. And not only rejoice, but proclaim it. There are people out there dying and going to hell that are trying to earn something, that are seeking or desperately wanting to be justified and want you and I to tell them. Are you spreading this incredible good news? Think of someone, think, think of it I, as I was going through this. Think about it, someone who was maybe wrongly accused or someone had a big court case going on and they come out and they're not guilty. You know, and the cameras are there, microphones, they're shoving. What do you think? Were they, hey, I'm free, I'm free, I'm not found guilty. This is great. And they're just excited. I mean, they're telling everybody. They're on the news, they're just going around, they can't help. But, I mean, this is what happened to me, and they're going and going and just telling everybody. So be that, be that person. Hey, I'm free, I'm justified. You know, I'm just like you. I'm a, sinner. I'm a sinner just like you, but man, this is what Christ did for me. Let me tell you about it. Who have you told recently about what God did for you? 
and what he can do for them. There is not a more glorious message than that of justification by faith. Think of it this way. If Christianity was your occupation, was your job, would you still have it? Yeah, I know it's not. But the idea is we all have jobs, right? And if we're not doing our job, we get fired or let go or warned. What if our Christianity was like that? Would we still be a good um, worker, in a sense, for Christ? And it's all concluded in verse 28. Therefore we conclude that man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Isaac Watts says, "'Twas for my sins, my dearest Lord, hung on the cursed tree, and groaned away his dying life for thee, my soul for thee. Oh, how I hate those lusts of mine that crucified my Lord, those sins that pierced and nailed his flesh fast to the fatal wood. Yes, my Redeemer, they shall die. My heart has so decreed, not will I spare the guilty things that made my Savior bleed. The glorious message of the gospel is the righteousness of God can be applied to you through his work on the cross. There's nothing like it. My challenge and encouragement to you is to believe it and to broadcast it. Let's pray.